You know, we were uh, just singing about this a minute ago. I didn't really plan on talking about this, but, you know, one of the lines of that second to last song we were singing, it was talking about as we were inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and tear down our religion. You know, and man, and we all have things, whether we, whether we think we are or not, we all have degrees of religion. And what is religion? It, it's really God without his presence. It's a belief, but there's no power. There's no substance to it. It's just a form. The Bible says it this way, is that you could have a form of godliness, but deny the very power that would make you godly. That's what religion is. It's just a set of rules and regulations and steps that we have to do, but there's no actual life to it. And we can, if we're not careful, it doesn't matter our background. Um, we all have a belief system. Every single one of us have a belief system. And, and so we have to challenge those things. And sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to challenge the things that we believe, even about God, about Jesus, about what he wants to do, about the word of God. And so we need him to challenge us in those areas that maybe we're not looking at it quite right. How many of you have ever been convinced that you were right on something to later realize that you weren't so right? Well, that happens too when it comes to the scriptures and it comes even into our relationship with God and what he wants for us. And part of how he does that is through the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we uh, have been talking about this over these last couple of weeks. And so coming off the heels of Easter, I told you that, uh, and I've shared with you, Sean shared with you as well, uh, is it that really the, the impact in the ministry or the introduction of the Holy Spirit was really a changing of the guard. And I love what Sean shared last week where he said that really when Jesus came, it wasn't just like a shift. It was a complete, like, it's a whole new chapter, the way God interacted with humanity. And so, uh, you know, and I know that there's a lot of, unfortunately, bad doctrine and bad teaching around the Holy Spirit. Number one, he's not weird. Number two, he is a person. It's not an it or a thing. He's a part of the Godhead. Uh, he's as much God as Jesus. He's as much God as the Father. Um, and it's important that we understand that. And that, let me help you, is that he's here for your benefit. Like he's not here to do something crazy, strange. And, and unfortunately, the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap because people are weird. And I say that all the time. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And uh, so they get weird and they blame it on the Holy Spirit, but he's not. And he's like, well, how do you know that? Because he's the exact same spirit of Christ. And go in scripture, Jesus did, but when Jesus did crazy stuff, miracles happen, which means he's not weird. It's only weird if nothing happens, right? And, uh, and so, but Jesus didn't do weird things. As a matter of fact, people were comfortable around Jesus and would approach him and kids would come up to him and even the lost and sinners would come up to him and they would engage with him. That's why Jesus was referred to and accused of being the friend of sinners, right? And he had all these accusations. Why? Because he was very approachable. Well, so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some strange, weird force that we can't understand. It's not something that's just beyond our spiritual understanding. No, the Bible makes it very clear, um, his role. And so uh, I do want to encourage you. I shared this with you in week one, but I want to tell you this again just as a way. Because, I, I mean, I know for me, my journey with the Holy Spirit took me a while because I'm pretty analytical. And I want to understand it. I want to, you know... I want to break it down. I want to understand. I want to comprehend it. I want to take it apart and be like, okay, now I can step into this. And so it took me a little while to really just get to the place where I'm like, you know what? I'm never fully going to understand it. And if I, if I want more of what God has for me, then I'm just going to have to surrender to him. Uh, and it really just, and honestly, it was my pride because I didn't want anything weird or funky happening. 
I'm like, don't make me cry. Don't make me shake. Don't make me do anything. I don't want none of that weirdness. Like, you know, I just, that was just me. And I'm a bit of a control freak. I know I got some friends in the room. I ain't going to call you out, but I know you're in here. And, uh, you know, and, and that control factor comes into our relationship with God. But the, the reality is, is that when Jesus told the uh, early church, the very early church in Acts 1, he told them, he said, hey, you've got to go and wait for something. He, didn't, he just said, hey, wait for the Spirit. Well, they didn't know what that was going to look like. They had no idea what the Holy Spirit, uh, as far as his appearance, because they had never seen it, heard it. Nobody else had ever experienced it. But Jesus said, go and wait. And so he said, in a, in, in, in a way, he said, I just need you to trust me, and I need you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so this is my encouragement to you, is the early church didn't know what they were looking for either. And you may not know, and you, you may not, yeah, that may freak you out a little bit. It might make you a little uneasy. But I, I do want to encourage you, though, with that, is that when God's presence shows up, it's always good. And when he sends his spirit and his spirit manifests in our life, it's always for our blessing and our benefit and for our good. God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. In other words, from him. And so everything that God has for you is good. And that includes the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't always get all the details, although we would love them. Uh, we don't, there just comes a point where, hey, you've got to trust. I mean, it's not like you got, you know, a sales pitch to get saved. Something happened on the inside of you that you recognize that, hey, I'm sinful and I'm broken and I need a savior. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. You actually can't get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because left to ourselves, we would never look for a savior. But yet it's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. And so to get saved, whether you realize it or not, you've actually already experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you're saved. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus makes the statement. We've looked at this each week, but I'm just going to touch on one verse. And then we're going to kind of jump in from there. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we've talked about this, so I don't want to kind of unpack it again, but I do want to just uh, highlight it, but I do want to just a couple things here. And he says that there's a purpose to the power. It's not just the power to be something better. And there's actually a reason is that God says, Hey, I want you to be a light to the world around you. Um, and so he says here is that the Holy Spirit, will, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you'll be witnesses to, telling everyone about me everywhere. And that's important. And so here's one of the things, or here's a couple, just two thoughts real quick on this verse is number one is that word trans or receive. You could actually use it also as the word transfer. And, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can't transfer anything he doesn't already possess. So he already has the power of God. Remember, he is part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. Everything that Jesus has, everything that the Father has, he has, and his job is to transmit or to transfer everything that Jesus has for you, everything that Jesus paid the price for you to have. His job and his responsibility is to transfer it. And so that's important to know. The other side of this, and, and this is this word power. So if I'm going to receive someone, well, what am I going to receive? And if you go do a word study into the Bible and all these things, you're going to find the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. And it's like explosive power. Um, and, and there is an element of that. But let me give you some other definitions as well. Is that it's might, it's strength, it's force. I like this one. It's capability. You ever feel like you just ain't got it? You're like, I need some help. The Holy Spirit will bring you some capability that you might be lacking in. 
He'll give you a ability. Even the word uh, a miracle or the miraculous. He's a resource or an influence and authority. And I like this one too, is that it makes your ordinary extra. Gives you some extraordinary ability. In other words, things that you don't possess in and of yourself, that I don't possess in and of myself. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and add and take what is just normal and take it to a different place. Why? Because we have an enemy, right? And we're going to need some power. We're going to need some ability. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, even on the days that we get frustrated or the times where we maybe things aren't going well. And it's like, man, today is just too much for me. And I need the Spirit of God to help me. That's why the Holy Spirit comes. And so along the same lines, is, and I would encourage you to go read the scriptures around this verse, but I'm just going to read one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. In other words, we can say that we're Christians. We can talk Christianese. We can sound the part. But he says, hey, the kingdom of God is not about just talking or looking or being the part. It's about living by God's power. So if we're going to live to the fullness that God has for us, it's by necessity. It's not optional. It requires that we have the work of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And we all need it. Every one of us need it all the time. And it's important that we realize this and understand this. And so, you know, and I know that there's a lot of teaching, which again, uh, you know, people can say things like, oh, well, that passed away and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit's different now. Well, my Bible, not people's opinions, says something different than that. Because people may have used some of the terminology that you may have heard. It's like, oh, well, that passed away. Go show me that in Scripture. Like find one. I, you ain't got to find two or three. Just go find actually backs up that argument. Because the scriptures that are used are actually taken out of context. And even if you just even if you just read the words on the paper, like you ain't even got to do like some crazy. Because I'll give you an example. They say, well, hey, tongues has has ceased. Okay, well, it also says that love will. So has the love of God ceased? Because if it hasn't, then tongues hadn't either. There will come a day, but it's not yet. And so there's multiple arguments that many of you have heard about the Holy Spirit. And let me say this, is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not solely reserved to just a prayer language. The Holy Spirit has lots of functions in our life. A prayer language is one of the things, but there are a lot of avenues in which the Holy Spirit wants to help you. And they're very practical. God wants to help you on your job. The Holy Spirit's going to give you wisdom about a project that you got. You need to hire somebody. You need to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit. Not just, okay, I got to hire somebody. But who? Because the Holy Spirit can tell you things that a resume never will. You got a business deal and you're like, man, should I do this? Should I not do this? Holy Spirit, what do you think? You got something going on with your kid? Holy Spirit, I, I've done everything I know to do. How do, I con- how, do I, how do I connect with my kid? How do I help them navigate this moment? How do I help my daughter navigate her broken heart? Like he's very practical. God, you know, Holy Spirit, we need some help in our marriage. How, how, can, we, how can we work things out and stay together and to not just come out of this, but actually come out stronger than we went into this? That's the, I mean, these are practical things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Holy Spirit, should I buy this? 
I mean, I, I, I could give, I'll give you a story, a very short one. I've said it, I've shared it many times. I bought a car one time that I knew the Holy Spirit told me not to buy. I knew it. I did not listen. I paid more in fixing that car than I paid for the car. That was an expensive lesson. And I knew it. The whole, there was just, and it wasn't, it was, it's not like I heard something like, do not buy this car. It wasn't like that. It was just an uneasiness. There wasn't peace in my heart. And it's just like this unsettledness in my soul. That was the Holy Spirit. And I didn't listen. And I literally paid the price for not listening. And there have been other times where the Holy Spirit has told me to buy something. And I'm going, ain't no way. I've shared this many times. The first house that me and Dare ever bought. I was freaking out in my mind. I mean, the Lord, I can tell you the whole story, but I don't want to take time to do it. But it was just kind of a a total God thing. But in the natural, on paper, I'm a numbers guy. Everything about it said, this is crazy. I couldn't sleep the night before. We were going to sign on the house. Because it was going to double what we were paying in rent to buy this house. And I just thought, this is going to be the biggest mistake of my life. I'm going to file bankruptcy. I mean, the enemy was just full on assault, right? I know y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Just no clue. You're like, mm, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks, but so does the devil. And when it, I mean, sometimes it feels like a machine gun. Just, you know, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but I could. I'm talking about, but not sleep. And about two thirty in the morning, I'm laying in bed, wide awake, freaking out, just in fear. And all of a sudden, just the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit just said, because I kept saying in my mind, I just kept saying, this is going to be the biggest mistake of my life. It's going to be the biggest mistake of my life. It's going to be the biggest mistake of my life. I just kept saying it. I just felt in the way the Holy Spirit does, and he just says, this isn't the biggest mistake of your life. And I thought, really? Then what is? And he said, if you married the wrong person, it would cost you a lot more than this house. And I thought, you're right. And I rolled over and I went to sleep. We actually lived in that house for five years. It was one of the greatest blessings of our life. We never once struggled in five years living in that place that I thought I could never afford. And God used it to teach me. The Holy Spirit helped me in that moment. because, And I just shared with you, once I listened and once I didn't. And guess what? The Holy Spirit was right both times. And I thought the opposite both times. So he was right and I was wrong. And so I have learned, and I want you to learn and to cultivate the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit because he's a difference maker. Should I take this job? Should I stay at this job? Everything looks good on paper, but I just, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me some wisdom. Do I send my kid to this school? Do I send my kid to that school? I mean, practical things. You might get that little unction of the Holy Spirit like, hey, your kid don't need to hang out with that kid. I'll pray for you, but you can't hang out with my baby. Like, you got to go. You don't have, we don't have to be ugly about that, but there are... I mean, a lot of times we'll call this like women's intuition. Husbands, let me help you. Your wife is like Holy Spirit 2.0. Okay? And what happens is when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, He will start talking through her to us. So, just... Let that simmer, men. Just let that kind of cook in the crock pot a little bit. It's 
So it's important that we understand this. And so, it, it, so let me give you an example of this in Acts chapter 2. This is right after the day of Pentecost. We've talked about it, so I won't get into it, but we're going to jump into uh, verse 37 here. And, uh, and so Peter gets up, he preaches, and he says, hey, you know, because there's all these accusations, all this stuff's going on, it's kind of chaotic in the moment. And Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel to them because they're being accused of being drunk. He says, hey, we're not drunk like you think. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, way too early for somebody to be getting drunk. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, which was several thousand years prior And he says, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So he preaches the gospel to them. And so this is their response. And it says in verse 37 that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, "Uh, brothers, what should we do? Peter responds and says, each of you must repent of your sins. So that's salvation and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those afar off, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So in other words, what's happening in Acts chapter 2 has legs to it. This isn't just a moment. And he says, this is to you, to your kids, and even to those afar off. And he goes, as a matter of fact, it's just everybody that's, that really gets drawn into Jesus. So the scripture speaks for itself. When it says, it says, hey, it's available to all. And so when we read throughout the book of Acts and we read like some of the amazing things that happened, that was normal for them. That was, you know, we have a few of the stories, but that was a normal uh, interaction, if you will, with the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is still being written today. You go, look, every book of the Bible at the end has a period and it says, amen. The book of Acts does not. At least in the New Testament, I'll say it that way. Is that many times they pray and they'll say, amen. The book of Acts is still being written in our lives today. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is still working. I think it's interesting that that even the technical title of the book of Acts is not the doings of the apostles. It's the acts of the apostles. And we're still, what, to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the resource of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so just as he did for the early apostles, he gave them uh, power to do miraculous things. He also gave them the ability to walk through a lot of suffering. I mean, you, you go and look at how some of these guys and the persecution that they had to go through because of their faith in Christ. And it's pretty amazing that they wouldn't back away from their faith. All the apostles were martyred for their faith. Now, you may not be aware, but People still get martyred today. I don't know if you remember, just a couple of years ago, there were uh, some Christians, I believe, it, if, I'm, if I remember correct, I believe it was in Egypt. And they lined up 20 men on a beach. And they said, either you renounce your faith or we're going to behead you. And 20 men. Now, how many of you know a guy? Raise your hands. Everybody knows a guy. What would it take to get 20 men to agree on anything? I'm serious. You can't get 20 men to agree on the best potato chip. You can't get 20 men to agree on the best fishing lure, the best truck, the best gun. You name it. You get three men, you got differences of opinions. 20 men knelt on a beach and said, I will not deny my faith. This was in the last two or three years. So, 
you can't do that in and of yourself. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen to any of us. I have no idea. But I'm just saying is that people are, nobody's willing to die for something that they think, maybe. No, there's a deep conviction. that, And that can only come by the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we, we have to understand that, that, yes, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's to be encountered. And if he's a person, he has a personality. No, the Bible tells us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't just discount him. Don't just push away when he speaks. Like, pay attention to those things. And so he has a personality. He has attributes. He has qualities about him that we're to engage with. And so just for a little bit of clarity here, I mean, we have the Trinity. A bit of clarity here. Hope, I mean, look, the Trinity is a mystery. How do you have three and yet they're one and yet they're three individual unique? I don't know. Like there ain't, you just, the Bible says it, so I'm going to believe it. That's all I can tell you. But they are three distinct uh, personalities or three distinct uh, faculties, if you will. But we can interact with each one of them differently. We have the Father God who is our Father in heaven. And he has a fatherly nature about him. We have Jesus who's Savior. He is God in the flesh. The Bible says that Jesus came and he was that he, he took off all of his deity, all of his godliness, and he put on flesh just like us. So he's God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit, see, Jesus was with the disciples, but the Holy Spirit now, the Bible tells us, we looked at this over the last couple of weeks, he's now in us. He's with us all the time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. So he's omnipresent. He's omnipowerful. He has all the power. He has all knowledge. Right? I mean, he has all, he's all knowing. I mean, and so, and, and we have access to this. So let me say it this way. If you have a problem, the Holy Spirit is your answer. Like, if you need to know something, he's got it. If you need him to do something, he can do it. Right? If you just need peace, he's peace. If you need a resource, if you need a breakthrough, all of these things that we are looking for and longing for, the Holy Spirit has them for us. And so we need to learn how to interact with him. The Bible says that he is our the hope of glory. He is the, the really the Bible calls him the deposit of our salvation. Well, how do you know that you're saved? The Bible says the Holy Spirit confirms in your heart that you're that you are saved. That this isn't just some kind of like loose thing that just kind of, well, maybe, hopefully. No, the Holy Spirit confirms it inside of us. And so here's the truth is that you have the option or the opportunity for a divine partnership. Now, I'm, I, I said it as you have the option. I would say it's a necessity, but, but it's your option. I mean, look, the Holy Spirit, I, I love what Sean said last week. He said, you don't have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I love that. <laughs> Hello. How true is that? Like, I mean, you know, and so it is true. Is that, hey, you can put your faith in Jesus and never really open yourself up. Or let me say it this way. You never invite the ministry of the Holy Spirit into your life. But I'm telling you, you're shortchanging yourself. You're missing out on a tremendous blessing that God has for you. And so it's really, so, but it is a divine partnership. 
And so in John 16, we've looked at this a couple weeks ago, but verse 7, Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. He says, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. He says, but if I go away, I will send him to you. Now, most of us would take Jesus over the Holy Spirit if we're probably honest. Like, oh, I'd rather have Jesus with me. Like, Jesus, let's go on a car ride. Let's let's go do some miracles. But Jesus said it's it's actually better for us to begin to uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit than to even have Jesus in our passenger seat. Here, where he says the advocate, it's actually um, one of the alternate definitions of that is that he's our comforter, right? So let me give you like just an example. How do people comfort or help you? Like just in natural friends, family. How do people help you? And when you when you think about like how how does just in the natural realm, natural course of life, how do people comfort you? I think primarily we think of in words. Like people speak things, they say things to us, they encourage us, they write things to us, whatever. But they use words to encourage us. So the Holy Spirit's going to use words to encourage you and strengthen you and help you. The second thing is by their actions. They do things. They help. They come alongside, right? And so it's by, maybe it's their touch. Like, you know, I remember growing up, all of my friends, they would refer to my mom and they would say, I need a Mama Sue hug. Because it's just, it's a motherly hug. We got some ladies around here that that's true of them. There's just some about it. And sometimes you need touch. Sometimes it could be something that's just people help you laugh. They're just funny. You're in a bad mood and you got that friend that won't leave you alone. And you're like, leave me alone. I want to be better. And they just keep making you laugh. And then finally you get out of your funk and then you're thankful, right? Sometimes they do it by doing things for you, helping you with something. Sometimes they do it with food. Glory to God. <laughs> Look, I don't know what it is, but when somebody dies, the church provides food. That's like, that's like a universal truth. I don't know what it is, but that's just... I mean, there's a reason we call it comfort food, right? Some food is more appropriate. Don't be bringing kale to a funeral. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm just... I'm sorry. I do have to tell them myself here a while back. I don't know. It's been a sermon a while back that uh, I said something about being somewhere. And I was like, I don't even know what I was eating. And uh, I heard about this through the grapevine. So it's funny. It's funny to me. I wish I would have heard it live in the room, but I didn't. And I don't know. I slammed vegetables or something. And then I said, said something about it. It was really good. I just didn't know what I was eating. And so Trig back here made the statement. He said, it was probably vegetables. You know, <laughs> I didn't know that I liked them, but I ate them. And I was like, he might be right. He might be right. But. No, but there is something about this. And so here's another thing that people do to comfort us is with their presence. I can remember one time, I don't remember the exact situation that was going on, but somebody had had a, something happen in their life. And so I went to be with them, but I didn't really have the words. I didn't know what to say. Uh, I, I just, it's like nothing that I thought fit the moment. I just thought, man, I'm just going to sit here in silence. And I felt like I'm really offering them no help at all. And I was talking to my brother-in-law who happens to be a licensed Christian psychologist. And, um, you know, and I was just telling him about the experience. I was like, man, what should I have told him? I, like, I just, I, I totally just felt blank and I didn't know what to say. And he said, you actually did the right thing just by being there. He said, you didn't need to say anything. The most important thing that you could do was just be in the room so that they didn't feel alone. 
You know, and the Holy Spirit does the exact same thing with His presence. It's not always just that He says something or He does something or any of these types of things. Sometimes it's just what the Bible calls it, the abiding presence of God. His presence is with us. He's for us. And so this is so important for us to understand. And so it's really important for us to understand. Through the... um, you know, one of the things, uh, the ministries, operations of the Holy Spirit, it is to lead or to guide us. It's to help us navigate life. Why? Because we ain't got it figured out and we don't know what's coming next. And sometimes we don't see it. And so, and really this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. This is where God becomes personal. Because see, we can, we can say God's in heaven and Jesus is in heaven. He's on the throne. But the Holy Spirit is where it becomes personal for us. And so if we're going to have that personal interaction and he's going to lead us and guide us, and I think we're going to have to learn how to follow him. I mean, what good is a guide if I keep going off course? He's like this way. And I'm like, yeah, but this way looks better. Like he's not a bad guide. I'm a bad follower. And sometimes we, we blame our bad following on the Holy Spirit's leading. And he's like, no, I, I was leading you in a direction. You just chose to go a different way. Romans 8, 14 says this, says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. This is so important. So we're going to have to, to be led means we're going to have to submit some things. It's like me with the car. I shouldn't have bought the car. I did not submit and I paid the price. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault. It was my bad decision. He tried to warn me. I wouldn't listen. And here it says it. And so here's, and this is just kind of a natural thing. Is how can we be led by something that we can't see? I mean, this is, I want to make this as practical as I can for you today. Okay, if the the Holy Spirit's going to lead me, then how can I be led by what I can't see? You know, I'm I'm a big fan of the show Survivor, you know, the contest. Like, I'm convinced if I went on Survivor, I would win. Uh, 100% I'm convinced of that. And I've I've debated many times about saying, hey, I'm going to go on the show. And Dara's like, you would get voted out so fast. She's like, because you are too competitive and you are too mouthy. I think I would be having a million dollars. That's what I think. But I love the show. I have forever. I love the show. I love everything about it. I just, it, I mean, some of it's just a social experiment part. But there's this game that repeats throughout Survivor that, that they do multiple times. And it would probably be one of the most frustrating games for me. Yeah, it would be. Either, it wouldn't matter which position I was in. Both sides. They blindfold people. And many times they will also like a, um, oh, what do you call it? Where you tie your ankles together and you walk together as a group. What do you call that? I don't know what you call it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the three-legged race. They'll put two or three people tied together. They'll blindfold them and tell them, hey, you got to go all over this course and get things from here and bring it back to here. You got to get some over here and bring it back here. You got to do all these things, but they're blindfolded. And there's one person up on a box going to go forward. Well, you got three people. So one person does this, one person does this, one person, so, you know, and then they run into stuff and, and it's very frustrating and it's bad enough that they can't see. But what's really bad is when they can't hear because they get stuck in a corner somewhere and they keep running into something. They keep bumping into it and to watch the people on the up. I mean, they're just screaming for all that they have Go left. No, your other left. Turn around. And then you got three people screaming or four people screaming, trying to direct different teams. It's chaos. 
whether you're on the box or whether you're blindfolded. You ever tried to walk through your house at night with the lights completely off? You're like, you run into something, you're like, when did that get there? It's the same place it's always been, right? And so I believe that we have to ask, though, how does the Holy Spirit lead? If we can't see him, practically, what does it look like? And so I believe that the Holy Spirit primarily works in three ways. Because he leads, and sometimes he speaks, sometimes it's just the, an unction that you know, like, that ain't my thought. Something just comes up on the inside of you. There's, maybe there's peace or there's not peace. The Holy Spirit will lead through that. But primarily, he leads through three things. By instruction, so he's going to give you some wisdom. He's going to give you direction. So go here, do this, don't do that. Turn around, your other left, you know, maybe that's the direction of the Holy Spirit. Like, I thought I was going the way the Lord told me. He's like, nope, turn around. All right, so he's going to give some direction. But he also gives correction. Like, hey, you need to watch your attitude here. Sean talked about this last week, is that the Holy Spirit comes at salvation to help us with our character. We don't like to talk about character, but God sure does because it's all in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the fruit of the Spirit is all about our character. That's, that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit's working in our life. And so he will work through instruction, direction, correction. And this is what I have found. If you will make a priority, I'll say it this way. If you will practice listening for and recognizing the Holy Spirit's leading when it doesn't matter, it's going to make it a whole lot easier to hear when it does matter. Because we're all just way too human and we wait until we get ourselves painted into a corner to say, Holy Spirit, help! And here's the good thing. He's gracious and he's merciful and he will talk to us in a corner too. But how much better for us if we'll learn to hear him say, hey, you're about to paint yourself in a corner. Hey, pick your head up and look around. I mean, sometimes we just get so focused on things and so we're plowing ahead, right? And the Holy Spirit wants to talk. He wants to direct us. But if we'll learn when it doesn't matter on things, it helps us when it really does matter. I mean, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed how much more challenging it is to make decisions when there's pressure? So many times we wait until the pressure is applied to begin to ask God for help. I've shared this many times, but I'll share it again. Here's just another little thing. Me and Dara, the Lord told us to get out of debt. This was a number of years ago. And I just knew in my heart, the Lord told me to get out of debt, like pay off everything except for the house kind of thing. And uh, so we started, I started getting resources, all this stuff. And I did everything I could do. And I just thought, man, all right, Holy Spirit, I've done everything I can do. I need some extra money. This is no joke. That day, a phone book landed on my doorstep in a big yellow, I know we don't have phone books anymore, but I guess we probably do, but nobody uses them. Um, But anyhow, so it was a big yellow bag. And on the front in big black letters said, need extra money? (laughs) Yes, I do. Yes, and I delivered phone books for about three weeks, and I made about a thousand dollars in three weeks. This was more than ten years ago, so a thousand dollars was a lot more money than it is today. A thousand bucks was a lot of money, and I needed that money. And God opened doors, and and it's a great. I mean, I could tell you the whole story. It's amazing what God did. 
but the Holy Spirit helped me because I just said, Holy Spirit, I need some extra money. Literally a phone book. And, you could, you, and I know people can say, oh, well, that would have happened anyways. Yeah, but I would have just picked it up and thrown it away. But yet I saw on the bag where it said, need money? And I believe that was the Holy Spirit helping me. And then he led me in a couple other things. And then, and then there actually got to a point in that process that the Holy, told, the Holy Spirit told me. I, I had done something. I was pursuing something. And I went and was kind of initiating it. And I knew in my heart, as soon as I walked away, the Holy Spirit said, you've crossed the line. You're not trusting me anymore. And I knew it. And I was like, nope, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be anywhere that, the, that God has not ordained. Why? Because his blessing is what he ordains, not just in my efforts. And so I, I, I want to trust that God's going to work and God's going to move. And so... When we get in these moments of pressure, though, we've got to calm down our soul. We've got to turn down the noise. It's by the peace of Christ that that's what happens. When, when we're at peace, it's a lot easier to recognize the Holy Spirit. When there's chaos and there's noise, it's hard. And I don't care how long you serve the Lord. If it's loud, it's hard. So you've got to get to a place of quiet and calm. David wrote in the Psalms, he told his soul, shut up. That's my translation, but that's what he said. He said, be quiet, my soul within me. Soul, shut it. Mind, stop. Why? Because he knew that he couldn't hear from what he needed to with all the, all the noise in his head. And sometimes we have to do that. Well, how do we do that? In John 14, verse 26 through 28, it says... Um, when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. I used to use this on test. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you bring all things back to my remembrance that I have studied. And my mom would always add, but she can't bring you what you ain't studied, son. I'm like, well, thank you, Holy Spirit 2.0. And, uh, you know, so as long as I put it in, but I mean, yeah. students, y'all might want to use that. Just, just let y'all know. The Holy Spirit will bring all things back to your remembrance. That means you've got to put it there first. So he says that he will uh, remind us of everything that, that Jesus has told us. And then he, Jesus continues making a statement. He says, I am leaving with you a gift. If I told you that Jesus had a gift for you, you would probably say, I want that. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I have told you. I'm going away, but I will come back again. So Jesus says, I'm leaving you my peace, and the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to bring it to you. That's what he says here. And so in, kind of along the same lines, and this is so important. And again, this is just practical stuff. Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. It says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature, their, their old way of thinking, Think about sinful things. It says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Now, I just want to just two different words here. And if you're like me, you're a control freak. Most of us are, even if we don't realize it. But if you notice, there's two different words. There's the word dominated and controlled. The flesh and the enemy always wants to dominate. In other words, he wants to override your will. This word control here really isn't the greatest word, but the Holy Spirit wants to lead us, as Psalms 23 talks about, beside still waters. I'm going to lead you. So, But either way, even if I gave you the options and said, hey, would you rather be dominated or controlled? And some of you are like, well, it's the same thing. It's really not. I definitely don't like being dominated. 
But that's what the enemy does. And yet the Spirit of God wants to, to lead us and guide us. And so it says here that those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind will lead to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind will lead to life and peace. So what does this look like in our day-to-day life? Like when we start ruminating on a thought and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to stop thinking about that. You need to forgive that person. You need to let that go. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead you into life. He's trying to lead you into peace. That's why the Bible talks about not taking any anxious thought, but think on these things that are what? That are true, that are pure, that are lovely, that are good report. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you, don't think about that. Quit focusing on that. Hey, that problem that you're so stressed about, you can't change it anyway. It's not even your problem. You're stressed out for somebody else. Let it go. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. So here's, here, here, here's just a, a little statement for you. Is that we have this nature, a human nature, that the Bible says is being saved. Now this has nothing to do with salvation. You're as saved as you're ever going to get if you're saved. That's a done deal. But my experience and your experience with salvation is still being worked out, Philippians 2 says. Still, let me say it this way. It's still being figured out. It's still being worked into every part of our life. And so there's areas that we can struggle with an old nature even though we've been made new in Christ. So who wins? Who, who's going who's to win? Is it going to be our spirit man? Is it going to be this natural mind, this natural thought? Whatever you feed will lead. It's true. Whatever you feed is going to lead. So if you feed your spirit man, if you feed your, your, your spirit man the word of God, if you engage in a relationship with, with the Lord, if you pray, if you're in regular worship time, if you're developing that, that connection with the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you. But if all of your input is from entertainment, it's from music, it's from other people's opinions, all of these external, like, there's no guarantee where that's leading you. And more than likely, it's not leading you to the thing God has for you. The Bible says if we sow to the Spirit, we'll reap the benefits of the Spirit. And this is so true for all of us. And so we have to make that commitment that, man, I'm going to invest in my spiritual life. Why? Because it'll pay off. It'll produce life. It'll produce peace. It'll produce wisdom. God's going to save me from some of the train wrecks that I'm... God's going to save me from hauling down the tracks full bore to go to. And the Holy Spirit's like, nope. Pump the brakes, detour, like you don't want to go that way. The bridge is out down there. So we've got to guard our spirit. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs chapter 4. It says to guard your heart with all diligence. Well, if we guard our heart right, we'll be guided right. The problem comes when we're, when we're not really watching over our heart and other pollutants come in, other things, other opinions come in, and they begin to get us off course. So the Holy Spirit primarily will, will work in a couple ways. Like, I mean, we, we talked about with instruction, correction, direction, those types of things. But how does that come? Number one, it comes to an inward witness. Just like something on the inside of you. It's like, man, it's what I call that peace. It's like, man, this is just the right. Like, I just know that I know this is the right decision. Regardless of what the natural may be look favorable or not. It's like, no, this is the right thing. And I, I just have that peace on the inside. 
one of the pastors that I uh, have served, he used to say it this way. He said, it's like a velvety thing on the inside of you. It just feels right. And sometimes that's the way the Holy Spirit will lead you. Sometimes it's with an inner voice. It's like a thought. I mean, I believe that the Holy Spirit can... Well, I'll say it this way. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks with a voice, it can seem like an audible voice. Like where you think, like, man, who's in this room with me? That's not the norm, though. As a matter of fact, I'd say that's the great rarity. But most of the time, there are thoughts that will come, but it's not a thought from here. It's from down here. John 7 says that, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Out of the well of salvation, you will draw up wisdom. And it comes, and it's like, man, that's not my thought. But that's And, and I'm telling you, if, if you'll just pay attention to it, you'll learn when it's the Holy Spirit and when it's not. Because you're going to be like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit, and that was the Holy Spirit, and that definitely wasn't. And you begin to recognize why, because you're listening. I can pick my kids' voices out of a crowd because I'm familiar with them. We could be in the middle of a park, and if one of my kids started screaming, I would know it's my kid. Thousands of people can be around. That's my kid. It's not just any kid. That's my kid. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. If it, man, if we'll make that just a priority in our life, we'll begin to recognize His voice because we're paying attention to it. The last thing I'm going to share with you is this is that when we learn to recognize the Holy Spirit, many times there's a conviction or a confidence that will come with it. How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Because it's not just a thought. There's like this conviction on the inside of you. Sometimes we think conviction is a bad thing. Like, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to correct me. No, sometimes a conviction is I am thoroughly convinced. I have absolute confidence that this is what the Lord wants me to do. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says, this is the word of the Lord for this moment. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, it does give you that, that degree of faith and that extra gear, if you will, to believe God. So it's the Holy Spirit helping. Again, he's taking my ordinary and adding his extra to it so that it can become extraordinary. And that confidence comes. And so uh, but before I wrap up, I want to give you a couple of resources. If you're like, man, I, you know, this series, I have more questions than I did answers. I want to give you some things. I've got, I don't know, four or five of them here. I think I have a slide to put up on the screen for you as well. These are just several books, and I could give you way more than this, but here's a few that I would recommend. Number one is The God I Never Knew by uh, Robert Morris. Uh, It's a great book. Maybe this whole is a new concept for you. That's a phenomenal book uh, for that. Uh, There's also one called uh, The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. Um, He's a pastor in Hawaii. God bless him. But this is another great book. Uh, there's one called Forgotten God by a guy named Francis Chan. Uh, it also is a great book. Uh, this is a PDF, so you're not going to go buy this book, but you can download it if you just search it. It's called The Skeptic's Guide to Tongues by a guy named Peter Haas. It's a great little book, uh, about 45 pages, I think. Uh, and then the last one is um, The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. And so these are all things I would recommend for you because you can get online and there's 5,000 options. Uh, but here's whatever, four or five, I guess it's five options that I would recommend and say, hey, I'll, I'll stand behind what, what they've said about these things. And so I would encourage you, if this is something that, you know, um, that you're, man, I don't know enough about it. I, I, I'm curious. Um, I would encourage you to check out these resources. Uh, I, I believe they'll be a blessing to you. I believe they'll help. If you have questions, come and talk to us. Like I, I mean, this is a broad subject, I know. It's probably one of the most un, or, uh, misunderstood aspects of Scripture, I believe. And I think, that's, I think that's the design of the enemy to keep people confused. Uh, because he knows the power that will be released when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And so I want to pray over you this morning.
And, uh, and I do want to encourage you, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, you know, I, I've been listening over the last couple of weeks and I, I'm ready to invite the Holy Spirit to come into my life, um, you know, in a different way. Because the Bible's very clear, and I don't have time to teach on it, but you can use some of these resources. But there's a secondary subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit. There's salvation, and there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. And it's very clear. That's why Jesus said, do not, like, when, when Jesus gave them the instructions and said in Acts 1.8, he says, hey, do not leave until the Holy Spirit shows up. They had already received salvation at that point. They were saved, as we would call it. But Jesus said, hey, there's something else I have for you that you desperately need. And so you may be here today and you say, man, I, I'm ready. I want to rec- I want to invite the Holy Spirit into my life. I want to just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. That's why I entitled this series, Come Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, my answer to you is yes. I, I want what you have for me. And if that's you today and you're like, man, I would love just to have somebody pray with me. Our prayer team will be up here in just a moment.